Dude, I have that sweater. Did you get that from Mr. Simple? I got it from Mrs. Simple, Mr. Simple's ex-wife. She does it basically ah. the same job, but it's a little bit cheaper because of women. It'd be more expensive, though, if it's clothing. No, it's cheaper because you only have to pay a woman 80% of what you pay a man. Nice! <laughs> it's a nice jumper, uh, though. Yeah, uh, I love it. I, I love a neutral jumper. Yeah, real. this is stone. I just love a stone. It's not fucking stone. It's stone. Stone is grey. No. What kind of stones are you looking at, man? Stone's all sand. Sandstone. No. That's the colour of stone. Look up what stone is coloured. All right. You're going to be wrong, though. You're I'm going to be right. very embarrassed. I can't wait for you to be so fucking just embarrassed I'll, at yourself uh, right now. Do a bit of a I'll quick goog here. Look stone. at what color stone is. Go to maybe the Iconic or ASOS, you know, a reputable retailer, brand name. What, what, that face seems like it's a little bit scowly. Well, I got... I pulled up colored stones, so it's just like okay. a lot of healing crystals. Did you put, <laughs> did you put anything about fashion or clothing in? Oh, no. Oh, no, I'm right. I don't know if you are right. I think you might find that stone is just a neutral, sort of whitey creamy. It's a grey. I don't think that that's right. Everyone, play along at home. If you Google (laughs) stone-coloured clothes, what colours come up? Seems like a lot of cream to me there. I bet you've said that before. Okay, I'm going to look up <laughs> semen and see what colour that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. Anyway, it's a nice jumper. Thank you. Yeah, did you get I'm a beard glad. trim as well? Yeah, did a bit of a beard trim and kept that nice and tidy. Looking very groomed. Um, this is my new sex life here. Can you see that? It's yeah. My baby. It's fucking A new beautiful. synthesizer. Yeah, was that a impulse buy? Did you see it? Were you eyeing it? Were you trying to buy it for ages and found it? What happened? I've, been, I've had my eye on this particular synth for about ten years when we had like the when we had the band, and and then I just could never really, never really had the the funds to do it, and then uh, saved up a bit of cash and um, I tried to. I saw it come up. Uh, there was a one in Sydney that came up, and they're they're not a. They're not a really a popular synth, so they're quite hard to find. Mm. And I found one in Sydney last week, and the guy, this is not really that interesting, but uh, the the guy said if I wanted it, I'd have to organize a courier, and uh, and uh, that cost like two hundred bucks. And then and then I just found one uh, by chance on uh, a Facebook group, and I went around and picked it up. Wow, and it was great. Yeah, save yourself two hundred dollars. It's a beast. Save myself three hundred dollars because I got a hundred dollars off because I because wow. I heckled. Nice. I negotiated. How much does one of those set you back? Uh, it was seven hundred. I got it for six. Nice. Cool. So have you yeah. been um, fooling around, getting the feel for oh, it? Yeah. Is it everything you wanted and more? Everything I wanted and more. It's like getting a new toy because you don't. I mean the. The staple is the keyboard, so you know how to play chords and stuff, but a synthesizer, all the synthesizers are so different. So I've never played one before, but I just knew I liked some of the sounds. So it's just like unpacking this thing and... Yeah, working um, out how it does. Working out how it works. So it's uh, it's really fun. That's awesome. How exciting. Yeah. yeah, man. Exciting times. And, and how's everything else going with you? Pretty good. I think... 
I'm trying to remember when we last recorded. We would have recorded before I went over on my West Coast trip, I think. Oh, yeah. Tell me so, about your trip. Yes, I did a quick... Uh, well, not quick. It was four days over the long weekend uh, a fortnight ago. Um, did a trip with KC over to the West Coast of the South mm. Island, which was it beautiful. Amazing. It was absolutely stunning it was uh you know uh, the west coast is famously sort of dreary and rainy it's very much like a tropical rainforest over there it's the other side of like an, the southern alps so it is yeah. a, a really sort of wet um climate um but for the entire four days we didn't see any rain whatsoever it was blue skies it was like an, a wonderful like 15 17 degrees um it was like foggy in in the morning and that sort of thing but that was about the worst of it and just did a bunch of great stuff. Went to Hanma Springs, which is like a hot pool um, town. Um, went to uh, uh, meet a friend in Westport. Went to a glowworm cave and did like a caving thing for a half day. Um, went saw to, the Milky Way. Yeah, went out to the uh, uh, middle of what the, was the. What is that like? Like, I, I want to know what that's like. Um, so we were heading down to Franz Joseph Glacier, which is down on the. Um, sort of midway down the South Island. And outside this small township, we were staying in a um, sort of, I don't know what you call it, like a, a, a independent cabin sort of thing, like a modern build cabin, but just like in the middle of a field and we were not near the township. So in the middle of the night, you could just stare up at the sky, which was clear because it was beautiful weather. And you could just see the Milky Way. <laughs> it was just perfectly oh clear. God. Um, and yeah, so little light pollution. I mean, there's still lights on the houses and things, but it only took a second for your eyes to adjust and then you can just see the whole thing. It was dope. <sighs> it's so, it's like dizzying, but in the coolest way. Oh man, that's that's one of my dreams. Yeah. Well, you can do it. I mean, I it's, it. you're not that far away in Trans-Tasman Bubbles, looking like it'll be mm. a, one of your few travel options. Um, well, yeah, I've had it on my list for a while, so maybe, hopefully we can make it work this year. Yeah. Pity you just bought that synth. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can sell it though. These things hold their value pretty well. So. Okay, yeah, nice. You know. um, but the uh, yeah. the the trip was awesome, and then uh, yeah, and just because that was also the first time that we'd really been able to get out of Christchurch since you know for months with the lockdown and all. So even just getting to go to new places and like see new yeah. things you hadn't seen before. Um, the, the island's not that big, so we were only doing like three to four-hour drives each day to get between these places, which is totally yeah. doable. Um, and it was just, like, so refreshing to be out of your stasis, if you know what I mean, to see yeah. new experiences and new places and take in the sights. It was very, like, rejuvenating in a very, like, refreshing way. I was... Yeah. I, was, I felt super invigorated by it all. Yeah. It was lovely. Yeah, we went away... Um, just last weekend as well, actually, to mm. um, a little coastal, um, little seaside town um, in Victoria, just on the Great Ocean Road. Lovely. Um, and it was like, yeah, we found this like pretty secluded Airbnb. There's not much around. You're just looking out, seeing just huge ocean waves and rocks, and it's mm. just like, it's it's uh, sounds a little corny, but like it's so weird and amazing how that. Like, I don't even know what, like, a soul is, but, like, you feel like whatever the soul is being, like, rejuvenated. Yeah. If the um, if the soul is, 
you know, inside you. It's probably in your head, right? So yeah, yeah it's... Yeah. It is refreshing in the sense that your a new part of your brain or a part of your brain which hasn't been active in a while is now like firing up. It's like processing mm. new sights and sounds and smells and thinking about things you don't think of in your normal place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's nice. Shout, shout out to yeah, shout out to Jude who we caught up with in Westport for dinner. Listened to the podcast. It was lovely to get to catch up. Um, nice. Yeah, I know so Jude. You do know Jude. Hey, Jude. That's pretty good. Don't bring me down. <laughs> um, the other sort of bit of news, which we won't dwell on me forever, um, but we have been moved up in our Good Grief production schedule. So we're now yeah. going to be shooting around five weeks earlier than we thought we were going to be. Um, some of that is because we have been really sort of speeding through the writing process and not going to need as much time developing those scripts um, as had been budgeted for or scheduled in the um, calendar and other stuff is just production coordinations where it's going to be easier for us to get certain actors hopefully the earlier we shoot because people are still coming out of this lockdown period and don't have things booked up just yet Um, and that's very exciting yeah so it means as a recording we're about five weeks away from camera rolling on our series. We're getting close Shit, to locked on our uh, scripts now and casting notices have gone out. People have been putting down like tapes to audition for or do screen tests for roles and So is the outline of the the outline of the script is is pretty much done and you're kind of just fine tuning dialogue at the moment. Is that correct? Like what's the process between finishing a script, getting location, and converting that into some sort of production um, schedule. It, yes, yeah, you're pretty close. Um, so we did drafts that we were pretty happy with. Um, we have a six-episode season. Um, we reached a point where we felt confident and liked what we had, but it was time to send it out to other people. So our production company had listed some writer consultants to have a look and read through and just give some fresh eyes and thoughts and suggestions on how to improve and change and that sort of thing. And simultaneously, it was also sent to the network for their first look at the full season of the scripts. Then we had a couple of weeks off there where they were going through that, thinking, making notes, sending it back to us. Then we read through the network's notes. They were actually really good. This was one of the reasons we were able to move up was they didn't have too much to suggest. They had a few questions and a few um, you know, uh, issues almost puts too much weight on it, but but things they'd noted and asked about um, for us to look at. And the writer consultants had come back with a whole bunch of good ideas. Um, but the headline from both was that they really liked it and there weren't that many big issues. So we spent another week putting those um, changes into practice, doing new drafts. This was last week. Um, and... Uh, the deadline that we were facing or chasing, we ended up spending this Monday just past (laughs) like seven and a half hours on Skype, finishing off the last three scripts of this season (laughs) in one day, which is like fucking brain draining. But the uh, reason we were hitting that deadline was that now that we're getting this close to production, the schedule needs to be set for our shoot days. We're shooting across 13 days. Um, and they need to know 
how to block those scenes that we've written into a timetable to be like, okay, we're going to be in the lobby today. Let's shoot this scene from episode one and this scene from episode three and this scene from episode five. We'll do it all at once and then we'll cut and we'll move somewhere else for lunch and, you know, to actually physically plan out how you're going to get all of this stuff shot across those shoot days, you need to basically lock down the scripts. So we were getting those new drafts done this week and now that we have effectively sort of finished those we can now go ahead as you say and tweak dialogue a little bit and and nuance exactly what happens in those scenes but the actual locations for each of them the actual places that they're taking place they're effectively locked now because they're starting to build that schedule out so Mm. we still have a bit of um, wiggle room We've uh, approached, for instance, the Funeral Directors Association of New Zealand, and we're going to ask them for a whole bunch of um, thoughts and opinions and terminology and that sort of stuff to make sure that we're all kosher in the way that we're depicting the funeral home experience. Sensitive. Um, So that will potentially require some dialogue tweaks and that sort of stuff. Um, (laughs) Might get a couple of free coffins. Yes, exactly. If you're lucky. so that sort of changing and, and evolution will still go ahead um, from this point. But for the most part, effectively, the the guts of the season is now kind of done. It's um, it's pretty crazy. Two uh, and a half years later. Cool, man. Well, well done to you and the team. Mm. Very exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's super cool. Can't wait to can't wait to lay my eyes on it. I know. I'm really like. Now that we're in this process where we are casting and finding locations and there's like a bigger team outside ourselves, it's all very real now in a very yep. exciting way. And you've it's got, going to be happening sooner than I thought. A leading, a leading man? man. Yeah. What do you think this is, the 19th century? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there's no very men outdated. in this show. Uh, yeah. This is about the uh, <laughs> the feminist left finally getting the chance to have their, <laughs> have their say. I could play a woman. You could. Yeah. Welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's been uh, it's been nice, you know, um, just knowing that you're out there and paying attention and keeping well. It's, it's it's like a community, and I feel part of it, and I'm grateful to you all for it. And we're here to make your week. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit highfalutin. It's a week, lot of gonna, pressure. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> We're going to make your month. Uh, sitting through the internet with me, Michael. Say hi, Michael. Yo, yo, what's crack-a-lackin'? Snoop Lion. Okay. And I'm Nick. Okay, hi, Snoop Nick. Hi. Yeah, I was waiting. Last time you said, do you want me to say that? And I just thought I'd give you a chance to say hi to me, but no. Okay. So, uh, cool. Can you introduce me as Papa Mango from now on? <laughs> And sitting through the internet with me, Papa Mango. Say hi. Hey, that feels good, man. That feels really good. Oof. Don't know. What, do you like mangoes? Why is this? I do. I, I think mangoes are the cool. I think maybe I had this chat with you. I think mangoes no. are the coolest fruit. <laughs> Definitely didn't have this, shit, uh, this chat. Do you want, why, do you want why, to have this chat? Yeah. Why are mangoes Should, the coolest fruit? We need to have this. Should chat. we have this chat, guys? We need to have a talk. What fruit's the coolest fruit? <laughs> All right, House so meeting. mangoes. House meeting, please, everyone into the living room. I would love uh, it if your housemates just heard that. They just came rushing in. <laughs> um, bananas are pretty cool. 
What is the what criterion I, what, for a cool ban- cool fruit? Is it because you can say cool bananas? <laughs> see, no, I don't even think about that. No, you just know. You know in your heart what's a cool fruit. Grapes. That's what cool is. Cool is, you don't, if you try to be cool, you're not cool. Trying to be cool is not cool. So okay. just cool is just this thing. So I think that, we can then, re- like something like a star fruit. You're like, that's not cool. You're trying too hard. You, you're, you've got, you've hit it on right on the head there. Uh huh. Star what about is so not cool. What about like a an apple? I feel like that's a bit slobbish. Like someone who should actually be trying a little harder, but just kind of rolls along. Like I feel that, like they, a, they've got the sort of careless thing, right? Like that sort of not caring about it thing, which yeah. can be cool. But I view apples as like an old white man in a suit. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Like a little boring. Like what about like a strawberry? Ubiquitous. What about strawberry? It's very feminine. Yeah, yeah. Very feminine. Are you saying women can't be cool? No, no, I'm, I wasn't. Wait, you, you said that, if anything. I was just saying feminine. <laughs> Check the tapes. Feminine, feminine, is cool. feminine is cool, just for the record. Um, <laughs> but is, are they the coolest berry? No. I would argue the blueberry. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. By colour. That's a very cool mm-hmm. color. Blueberries probably else the coolest. Nature is blue. Well, what about a blackberry? Blue, because they got those little nubbins. Oh. You know, they've got that like texture. They got a bit of, they got a bit of yeah. grit. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I've ever seen a blackberry in real life. How is that possible? You lived literally in Waterfall Gully. Do they have blackberries there? They're wild everywhere. They cover every fucking hillside. <laughs> Well, then I've definitely seen a blackberry. Yeah. Well, I've never eaten one. Really? I don't know. I'm just saying things at this point. <laughs> just hoping that something okay. is true. So here, here's, let's get back to the point at hand. Why mm-hmm. are mangoes the, the coolest fruits? Um, Why not like a guava? Really... Surely a guava is a cooler mango, right? Guava is very, very cool. I love guava. Uh-huh. Um, but you think mango is still cooler than a guava? Well, yeah. Yeah, I think mangoes are cooler than a, than a guava. But a guava's cool. Very cool. Why are bananas cool? Bananas, to me, very easy, seem... to, Very easily peeled. They're, like, they're, just, they're just so easy to peel, so easy to digest. I think so you easy. haven't met enough bananas. Do you know the number of bananas oh. where you like you grab the end of it and you're like, oh fucking, come on, you prick, and it, like you, you just end up mushing the inside of it because it doesn't tear properly. Look, there's a few bad bananas bananas in every bunch, uh-huh. um, but the majority of bananas are very very easy going. I think a banana is a bit of a poser. Um, I think it's like it's it's wow. trying to be cool, controversial. Yeah, it's tr- it's like it's kind of um, it's kind of like it's well, I mean, it's it's almost phallic in nature, isn't it? But it's like a jock, you know, like this conf- overconfident guy thinks he's all that, and then you know, you give him one little bit of resistance, one so you stand up to the bully, you you know, you punch him in the nose or whatever, and he just completely falls apart. Com- you can yeah. he, he looks tough on the outside. You open him up, it's bruised all through the middle. Absolutely no structure there, just complete mush. I think that the... Yeah, you might have a point there, actually. I don't think bananas are cool, dude. I'm coming around to your point, actually. Yeah. 
You might be right. Yeah, I get the I get the jock thing. Yeah, They're definitely the jock of the fruit world. I think bananas probably used to be cool, like in the nineteen sixties, and then like as time and culture has evolved, we've started to look at them through fresh eyes and been like, totally. why are we venerating this obviously pathetic fruit? They don't even breed, yes. right? You have to clone. They're all clones. No. They're like a residual. Yeah. You, they're they're nostalgia for a time that once was, but they they've passed their due date. Yeah, and they bruise so easily, so easily. And when they when they bruise, they they're all, they're disgusting when they Just, bruise. They're, and and everyone's like, oh, you can make yucky banana. You can put them in like a smoothie. Oh, you can make a cake with them. You've lost the fucking plot. Then if you can't yeah. enjoy a fruit as is, then I'm sorry, get out of my sight. Nah, I'm with you. I'm uh, I'm convinced. I hate bananas now. Yeah. Hashtag fuck bananas. Okay. Let's start a movement. Speaking of which, hashtag white supremacy. Ooh, interesting times. I love that you segued from bananas to white supremacy. (laughs) (laughs) It is effectively the metaphor I was building through that entire time. Um, Mm. Gosh, what a... a fucking year 2020 has been i mean to to do a brief recap almost war in iran pandemic uh corruption of democracy uh, bushfires bushfires and now global uprising over the uh kobe i said that the virus pandemic Um, i said kobe kobe dying in a helicopter crash <laughs> I don't know if that's on the same scale as a global pandemic, but you it, didn't, know, it certainly didn't help. It didn't help. I think that he, <laughs> he would have been he would have been appreciated this time, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, now now off the wake of the George Floyd murder, um, an international uh, movement of uh, in the wake of uh, repeated systemic police brutality. Um, around the Black Lives Matter movement and Trump in the middle of it all, of course, um, melting down. Walk me through how you followed this past couple of weeks. Where, where, when did it first catch your eye? What were you thinking as it developed? Where are you now? It first caught my eye when Emma and I were standing outside a cafe and she's like, oh, how about this uh, video of the uh, cop kneeling on this guy, guy's neck until he died? And I said smugly, ah, that video is from years ago. Um, and she was like, no, it's not. And then we got into an argument and then I was proven to be wrong. So that's when it first came to my attention. Uh, and then I looked it up and uh, yeah, pretty pretty horrific. Um, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been talking about it a lot. Um, I initially had some... I'll take you through what what I was what I what my perception or what my take on it was and how it has changed even over a week or two. Initially, I was kind of questioning. So, when it came out, people were saying this 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 cop is a racist. Uh, I mean, people are still saying that they're saying this cop is a racist. It's a modern day lynching. Um, he's uh, he's among other things. He's he's basically killed killed this guy and that was proven to be correct my initial reaction to it was that are we sure i'm not i, w- I would never doubted that there's a there's a systemic racism in america and a systemic uh racist attitude amongst law enforcement but what i did initially question was do we are we sure 
that this cop is kneeling on this guy's neck to until he dies because he's black or because the cop is a bad cop. So I was thinking about that for a while. Um, and then it came out that this cop has had like a, a bunch of you know, former indiscretions and he's had several complaints about him. So my, my attitude towards the whole police racism thing has changed now to the point where now I, I'm kind of more aware after thinking and after reading some stuff, I'm more aware that, that amongst certain law enforcement, especially in America, that there, there is 100% a cult, a, a, a double standard between how they treat white uh, people and how they treat black people. And maybe that's ignorant of me for not realizing that at the start, but I think it's like, it's your exposure to it and, and how much you actually, you know, we don't live in America, but mm. uh, we see one side of the coin here and, and it's basically just having a think and seeing the other, what it, what, what's it actually kind of like for people of color. Uh, and, and that's, uh, that's my white priv as well, that I didn't even realize that. And that's another thing I've been thinking about. Um, is what is my my white privilege, but uh, yeah, I've sort of come around to to really not fully understanding, but uh, really having an, a, a much better awareness of how um, people of color are treated against police mm. uh, by police. The um, the I mean, I think in in some ways I was in the same boat, right? Which is where you you have an understanding that this was something that people have been talking about, right? Um, you're like, uh, whether it's dramatized in film, whether it's commented about in terms of, you know, you follow black celebrities from any persuasion, whether they're athletes or actors or writers or scientists or, uh, you know, anything, and you will hear stories about their interactions with the police, right? And at the same time, I think uh, sometimes... The, the I, I don't know that I had necessarily put myself in their shoes to imagine what it would be like to walk out the door every day, right? Like, right. it's one thing to, to hear it and to be like, yeah, that fucking, I, I believe you, that fucking sucks, right? But to actually, I think I think what, what sort of changed for me, for my, over this course of this week, is seeing just the volume, right? It's it's the fact that it was so widespread that protests and um, and action could take place in every state of America, right? Like it, when you think mm. about it in that level, like a thing that happened in one town, in one place with one cop killing one person was so resonant for so many people that mm. it created movements in 50 states right and protests in 50 different places um and all of them had the examples there and you you know there was the one uh there was the uh the george floyd one that that sort of kicked off this protest um and then here's another video here's another story here's brianna taylor here's um, you know, you, and you go back in time and, and you recognize some of these names from the past, you know, Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and all these things. And you can go back and, 
And all of these names or some of these names, you even recognize yourself from like, oh yeah, I remember when that was, when that kicked up three years ago or five years ago. But to see back to back the the videos end over end over end over end, the cases, the you know, the things on mass, I think that was what really ch- changed it for me, right? Is It takes it from a, a one-off thing that I've heard about to a, oh, look at how much this is fucking everywhere, right? Yeah. I think it was, it's, uh, it's this, it was this weird kind of mel- melting, uh, perfect storm, really. It's part, I mean, the, the video is, I mean, we kind of, if we didn't have the video, this wouldn't, this wouldn't be a thing. So that's one thing. And the the cops, by the way, are wearing body cams. And this happened like a few months ago. So if we didn't have the video or a few weeks ago, yeah. if we didn't have the video from the from the person on the phone, we like we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have heard about this. I mean that's that's weird. The cops yeah. are wearing fucking body cams. That that's a good point and one that I want to circle back to, which is the idea that technology actually facilitated and enabled this in a way that previously it it hadn't like the number of things that people have done on camera, knowing they're on camera um, and yeah. that have been disseminated in this time and this era is amazing. And, and really a testament to the power of the smartphone and social media and all that kind of thing in a kind of revolutionary way. But it does also mm. reinforce like, fuck, if this is the stuff they're doing on camera, knowing that they're on camera, imagine the shit that they're yeah. doing when there's no one around. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really scary, and it's uh, yeah, it's interesting that seeing people asking to or calling for the police to be defunded and stuff. And I mean, that's that's what we're getting to. Well, that's what yeah. they're getting to at least, you know. I'd actually Which like is, that to be know, the sort of second half of this podcast a little bit to talk about the police in that in that way. Um, mm. But maybe we we get back to that after a little bit more of the the specific protest talk um yeah so j- can i just say something on the protest so yeah i got a, i got a question for you about <clears throat> so this protest these protests uh seem to me to be this like perfect storm of of um firstly passion for the cause from all over the globe um did you have protests in new zealand And, and uh, not to get into it um, as too much of a distraction, but we had action as well. The um, the New Zealand police dropped their um, their use of carrying guns. Like um, they've actually removed that out of the oh. officer's toolkit, so they're not carrying. They were trialing taking guns around the place, and they've actually said, "We've done the trial. That's over. We're not going to do it again." Wow. Yeah. There you go. Um, so the other player in all this stuff with the protests is the coronavirus. So we've had people locked up for months, especially in New York City, where that was one of the biggest protests and one of the one of the most uh, dramatic. Um, so people pent up in their houses for months, social distancing, and then all of a sudden we've got you know millions of people out in the street. So what's your take on like how? What the the kind of hypocrisy there, uh, the you know of people, you know, um, people initially before the protests calling for everyone to social distance and and 
um, you know, kind of calling people out on that and even people in beaches. And then all of a sudden that's all out the window and people are protesting on the street. Um, what's your take on that? Like um, I heard one comedian say, I mean, it's a testament to how passionate people are that they are protesting despite that. Um, but yeah, what's your, what's your, what's your take on that? I think that ultimately the people that were on the streets did a calculus as to what was more important. And when it was their, uh, their own potential health and the health of the community of people outside of them, they made the decision that it was the more important cause was that of the oppressed minorities around them who were standing up for themselves and deserved support and that it was not it was not done blindly i suppose is is my takeaway from it i don't think that you could say people um were being reckless they just saw the importance of what was happening and had to make it a decision they shouldn't have had to make but picked that of the the greater good if you like an institutional good which might help generations to come if reformed or overthrown or dismantled versus just the people in that city today you know dealing with this pandemic all right well that that's 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 a good answer i think the other interesting side of it of course as well is the contrast to those um uh you know revelers out on the beach or uh you know the <laughs> the white um, uh, angry conservatives who were storming, you know, police buildings with AK forty um, sevens or AR fifteens, maybe, um, and you know, complaining that they couldn't go and get their hair cut. You know, those ones who were. Um, uh, I mean, the, the I, I suppose I I'm just pointing out the the multiple levels of irony or hypocrisy here because those people who were so willing to like sacrifice a few grandmas and stuff so they could go and get a haircut and saying, reopen the economy is this, you know, everyone shouldn't be, um, uh, why are you forcing everyone to shelter at home? You know, this is my right as a civilian to go out and do what I want. There is a little bit of hypocrisy to then turn around and, and point at people who are going out there to exercise their democratic right of free speech and protest <laughs> brutalities and well, be like, that's... Hold on. Well, there's hypocrisy the other way, though, Nick, because you described it with them as they're willing to sacrifice a few grandmas, and then when you describe the protest, you describe it as they're enacting their right to free speech. So there's hypocrisy both ways. Though. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. There's levels of there's hypocrisy to it, but I'm, I'm just pointing out that the other option there is that, um, you know, the people who were more than happy to go out and stand in line um, in front of a... Um, mayor's office and complain they couldn't go and get a haircut are the ones now telling off the protesters for not staying at home and for endangering the other lives you know that that is uh you know a um in itself <laughs> a depiction of the privilege that they feel right like the the fact that it was more important for them to be able to go out and and do what they wanted than the you know black and marginalized communities to protest the generational systemic issues that they were facing yeah yeah i guess that the um 
Yeah, like I said before, the coronavirus has been like a bit of a player in this in that I feel like it's like fueled the uh, intensity of, of the protests. I mean, um, if maybe like people being pent up in their houses has something to do with it, you know, um, and I'm not going to like use the looting and the the violence as an example but uh it did feel like there was a there was a, a real intensity to these riots that um i don't i think i just feel like i mean riots like itself the, uh, isolation is almost... and social distance has something yeah Go on. sorry uh, I, I i think riots is a little bit of a uh, misapplication as well because ultimately the things that we were seeing here in terms of the protests were almost uniformly peaceful right it was the instigation of um, or provocation by police that was turning these things um, violent for the most part and you know I, I just I'm pushing back on the idea that it was riots that were going on right it was it was basically protests for the most part um, that then right. span out of control when <laughs> you know tear gas was used and that sort of thing um, but did, did you go to any protests in New Zealand no that when it were when they were happening over here, it was when we were on the West Coast. Would you have gone? I don't know. I mean, I think safety-wise, we didn't have a coronavirus issue here, so um, it would have been... Um, that wouldn't have had to be a consideration. Um, I I would have considered it, for sure. I, I mean, I think that... I think it is important that there be a cause locally that you are also acknowledging here. I don't know that a bunch of people walking the streets just for America's sake is necessarily yes. um, the best use of, of people's energy. I think, um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate the solidarity. I liked seeing that there was like a haka in New Zealand that, you know, people in America were responding to as a sense of solidarity around the world. Um, but I think it was important that there was also things like the arming of the New Zealand police that people were actively looking for for correction. And similarly in Australia, the light that was shown on the um, Aboriginal deaths in custody, the 436-odd people uh, killed mm. in custody over the past 30 years by the police force, I think that was a very important thing that got more of a spotlight as a result of it. Um, so yeah. I, I'm on board for, with it when it's you know applied to a local cause yeah, as well yeah. as being part of an international movement, right? Totally agree. And there's this is uh, so I find I find the uh, the I was thinking about whether I was going to go. I, I don't I don't think that I would have. Not because I don't think it's a good cause, but there's something inherently like cringy to me about this, like like the social media wave where everyone's posting black tiles and I don't know, it says more about me, but I just, there's something cringy about it. I just like, uh, it just feels, it feels kind of a little bit disingenuous when people are, I mean, I get the solidarity thing, but it just, I can, I just know that there are people out there that are just doing it because all their friends are doing it. And even Emma, she was like, Oh, should I post a black tile? I was like, do you want to post a black tile? She was like, I don't know. I don't want to feel like, uh, you know, an idiot for not posting one. I'm like, that's not a good reason to do it. But it, you just, you just feel that that people are out there that don't have a real sense of what's going on and just doing it because they they see it's a trend. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of things that I want to circle back to. 
here. But on on the black tile thing, I think it was a little bit unfortunate because people were hashtagging the Black Lives Matter yeah. thing and putting up the the black square, which for people who are actually in the protests and looking for resources and that sort of stuff, there were people trying to share things and information like there's medical supplies in this corner of this street or call this number if someone you know has been like uh, detained or whatever and the flooding of that hashtag with black boxes with absolutely no information was a bit of um, an unhelpful thing i think versus sharing a black tile which had donation links or um, information for protesters or you know um, something actually actionable mere a mere demonstration of of solidarity is something but pick a different hashtag so it doesn't pollute actually useful information and i saw you know that sort of changed a little bit and the people after that first day were were starting to share more resources and things um the other thing i want to circle back to because you're asking about the lockdown and how that played a role in the the protests of it all i think that you're totally right but i don't think that it was implicitly just the lockdown i think it was also specifically donald trump because I think it was not merely the fact that you had this pandemic going on and that people have been shut inside. I think it was reactionary because Donald Trump is so fucking aggravating that his inaction during the pandemic was making things worse for people. That is commentary um, and sorry, that is, um, well, yeah, his commentary on the situation and his responses and, and lack of empathy in the situation was making people so fucking mad, right? That then when you come to this thing, which is, you know, a tragedy that and an unjust murder um, precipitated by a cop. And it could have been, I mean, defused is the wrong word, right? But if, if, if Obama had been there and had taken steps to be like, we're going to investigate this, we're going to um, sanction this police department, we're going to institute new laws as to the ways that you can interact with people over, you know, misdemeanors like f- suspected fraudulent notes or whatever. There is a way in which yeah. a competent leader could have addressed the issue and made it better in a way which then didn't lead to protests. In a way... Arguably, it was better that it happened this way because there seems to be a better chance and indeed have been results in which you've seen bigger change as a result of the protests and efforts. But yeah, um, I think it—he's unbelievable, man. I yeah, think it Trump, is. I think Trump was the was the. I don't know what's the chemical term. The was, the enzyme, the, the the catalyst. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. He was a catalyst which made a situation that could have simmered and kept simmering like it had done for decades before, and yeah. upped the ante because he's so you know he aggravated the crowds. He was so reactionary in his decision making, where it's like oh. Um, all of the protesting got him scared. And so he was asked to inspect the bunker and this kind of thing. And then the news articles <laughs> come out and say, uh, you know, he oh. was a coward and he um, went into the bunker and he was like, I'm not a coward. I'm yeah. going to go outside. And so then they organized this thing to the church. And of course they tear gas all the people with, to get to the church. And then uh, he reads the, the White responses. House lights going out. Yeah. It was like the White House lights. So there's, there's no way you can't attribute that as some sort of huge symbolic uh, picture, you know, it's like, yeah. Putting up the fence around the, the um, white house, 
you know um, and and so he tear gasses all the protesters and they're like what the fuck are you like pushing away protesters including like the clergy of the church you're going to visit to then go and stand in front of it and hold a bible upside down and then the next part of that like feedback loop is okay well they thought it was ridiculous or hypocritical that we went to a church but just stood outside so we'll release this photo where we're standing inside it awkwardly staring at the altar with nobody around and like all of his decision making was so reactionary and news coverage led that anyone watching at home was just getting more and more riled up right like he deliberately uh, not deliberately he specifically worsened the situation in a way that made the protest bigger yeah it's 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 interesting now that uh, Biden is basically just running on empathy, yeah, um, and and that's just being <laughs> that's, a human that's being. His, his campaign, and and he's, I mean, it's his to lose now, if you ask me. Um, it totally is. Yeah, it doesn't like, mean he won't. Trump but is it like, is. no, yeah, he'll he'll say something or he'll you know grope someone. Yeah, but um, yeah, Trump is just just becoming as if he wasn't enough already, just becoming this caricature of himself of a villain in a movie like it's so it's so black and white almost no pun intended. <laughs> so to speak yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah absolutely and and he's yeah i, I mean i think you're i think this is a, a real turning point i think you are seeing republicans peel away you know you're yeah. seeing former republicans speak up against him i i I know the party is so craven that they'll never completely disown him before November, but you are seeing definite, you know, turn against him. And I just hope that rather than being piss weak about it all, the Democrats can build on it and just keep hammering him with his multitude of failures from coronavirus to this whole Black Lives Matter movement to Russia to everything, you know. And he's he's not... (laughs) Trump, like all of us, or probably more than all of us. Actually, that's not true either. But he's had a bad year. He's had a bad year. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he, he's fuck. I, I hope he gets out in November. But yeah, I think you're right. I think there is definitely good progress here in terms of his popularity or lack thereof. Yeah. So um, mm. let's circle back to the police themselves because, as you say earlier, one of the thrusts of this movement has been increasingly the idea of defunding the police um do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on that what your understanding of the request is how you feel about it sure um well my initial reaction to it was that's a, that's that's a stupid idea um i also i mean look if they if they do go ahead with it, and by all, like Pelosi and Biden have both said that's not going to happen, um, but if that does happen to some degree, I'll just jump in there it, just just quickly to say that. Uh, do yeah. you think this is something that needs to happen at federal level? Because isn't it isn't it really down to the individual states and cities who fund these? Well, actually, yeah, I think that's what Pelosi said. That's actually yeah. yeah, that's what Pelosi said. She said it's it's a local issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. My initial reaction is like, oh, good luck with that. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I mean, if there's if there's another system in place that that could possibly work. I mean, it's going to be very different. Uh, I mean, America has such a vastly different country. 
um we don't we we in australia have you know we're pretty uniformed so it's going to be very interesting to to see how that plays out i don't know what the other option is my gut is my first reaction in my gut is is to say that that's probably going to go bit poorly but um I don't really know that much about it. What's going to go poorly? Are you, are you thinking about like picturing a world in which there's no police? Yeah, which might be a simplistic. Do you have do you have more a more of an insight into what that would actually look like? Yeah. Um I'll say up front that one of the um the best most powerful sort of succinct examinations of the past couple of weeks that I've um watched has been the john oliver episode about this have you seen it from this week no he's oh, back he's back you need to fucking watch this episode it's, oh, it's all on youtube as well you don't even have to have a subscription jump on youtube Sick. watch the whole thing it's 35 minutes long um it yep. is fucking brilliant and blistering and anger it's one of like the most angry times you've seen him and i fucking love it when you feel that and it ends with such a fucking yeah powerful he's a ferocious man when he wants to be he is um but the anger at the end is not his um it's yeah it's brilliant i really really recommend if you're looking for like a a dose of of uh bird's eye um you know curated description of what's happening and why everyone out there go and watch the john oliver last week tonight episode on the police it just aired this week on monday it's fucking unbelievable um one of the things they talk about in that um, episode and one of the things I read up a little bit more about was this idea of defunding the police. What does it mean? Why do you want to do it? There's a few different factors here. It's all very complicated. There's no easy solution to sort of systemic racism. But as a, as a very skim kind of top-level summation, there are things like historically police were actually established as like a racist group, right? To police uh, black Americans and make sure that they were meeting sort of 1800s white standards, right? There's this historical origins of policing is off a racist archetype, right? Um, yeah. There's then other things like the disproportionate um, application of funds. So I think LA, for instance, spends one point seven billion dollars a year on the police which outweighs everything else in their budget from housing and and um uh, education spending and all this kind of stuff by a factor of about 10 right it's about 10 times more expensive to fund the entire lapd than anything else and we know that historically making an argument that you would need to cut funding to the police would immediately be pushed at pushed back on by people saying crime rates will go up. It'll be, you know, the end of society. You're going to take away money for the people that protect you. So it's been very historically (laughs) unpopular to try and contain those budgets as well. So they are now so far out of whack. I don't know how they compare to Australia or New Zealand, for instance, but I would certainly believe that the American system in particular is, is very disproportionately weighted mm. to the police departments. Then you have other things. So like the deep mi- funding, sorry, sorry. So deep funding doesn't mean pull their funding completely. I mean, it, it means basically reduce the amount that we yeah. get. Them. I mean, some so, of them, it, it depends on, on where you're looking. Um, 
I'll come back to that in a second because there are people who literally want to remove the idea of this police organization and replace it with something else. So they do actually want to scrap it. The idea is not that society descends into chaos and there is no punishment for people breaking laws. It's that the actual institution that's operating is doing so badly. So why should we keep funding them, right? Let's try and do it a better way. Um, then there's things like the militarization of the police. You know, you have the military industrial complex, particularly strong in America, and they have been offloading things like literally tanks and, um, you know, combat weaponry down to police departments as a yeah. way of, of, you know, just making money and selling their equipment to people. So you have hyper armored militaristic police departments, which, you know, why does it, why do they need tanks? that sort of questioning um, of should we be spending that much money to give them literally military grade <laughs> weapons? Um, and then ultimately the, the the underlying question is what is the purpose of the police? They have so many different tasks. They're, they're called upon to do everything from, um, you know, almost social worker stuff where you're like clearing out homeless people to um, crime scenes, obviously, to things like um, rape, which they've done terribly, you know, the number of actual successful rape cases abroad and and the backlog of rape test kits that they have in America is absurd. So they're not doing that job very well. What I think the ultimate question underlying it all is what what is the goal in any one situation where the police would be called in and do they need to do that as an armed <laughs> officer, right? Um, yeah. So uh, let me ask you this. What, what have your interactions with the police been? Like, have you ever been pulled over driving? Oh, yeah. Plenty of times. And do you feel in that moment like a little flurry of adrenaline and, and like nervousness, even if you haven't done anything wrong, when you see that like oh, light yeah, flash feel- behind you? I feel it when they... When they're just around me. Yeah. At one, like, so the, the light flashes and you're like, fuck, okay, is that for me? Oh, God, where am I going to pull yeah. over? And then you're like sitting at the thing and you watch as they get out of the car and they walk over to you and you're like, oh, fuck. When you actually take yeah. a step back, isn't that fucking weird, right? Even knowing that you haven't done anything wrong, mm. isn't it a strange kind of thing that we just accept that this interaction is going to be stressful. Yeah, for th- I guess it is, isn't it? <laughs> like there are people that can pull you over and ask to see your ID and that kind of thing. And you just sit there like a little bit like freaked out. Imagine what that yeah. would then feel like if you are a person of color, say, and you know the exact same things, which you've not done anything wrong, but you also know that there's a higher likelihood that you've been profiled or um, you're going to be subject to biases or stereotyping that makes your life potentially go very wrong very quickly um so the question is you know let me let me use another hypothetical let's say you we have a situation where uh like you faced not four months ago five months ago where you are walking down the street and a guy comes up to you um completely naked and he's like a uh clearly on drugs or raving or something and he's um, wandering down the middle of the street. What is the actual goal that as a society we want to happen here? What do you want to, what, what do you want society to do for this person? 
You want society to um, take away the danger if there is and then treat the person if the, the person who's causing the potential danger if they have a problem. I guess that's what you want. Yeah. So if you come back and you, you look at this with fresh eyes and you say, what is the, what's the problem here? What's the goal? Then you can potentially look at a solution here, which is slightly different, right? What you actually want to send into this situation is potentially a medical expert, someone who has some sense of, oh, this guy's on meth. This is what we might need to do. Or a psychologist who can look at him and be like, this one's having a schizophrenic episode. Or a social yeah. worker who understands that this is a homeless person who was potentially an addict maybe or has been deplaced by some sort of change to his lifestyle or triggered by some form of um, withdrawal or something like that. Um, and of course you want any and all of these people to be safe in their interactions and dealings with these people, uh, with, the, with the, the naked person in the street. But do you need this person to be approached with you know, a guy brandishing a gun or a, a taser or a weapon or something like that? Or wouldn't the ideal be, theoretically, to interact with this person, realize, okay, he was an addict, he hasn't been able to get his fix, and now he's having withdrawals and he's, or, you know, maybe he took some cheap stuff which has had a, a you know, which was cut with something problematic and has given him this rage episode or whatever. What do we actually need to do here? A, we need to go and get him some medical help. B, we probably want to put him into some form of housing or something so he's not living on the streets. C, we might want to do a long-term kind of um, work or education plan to hopefully be able to um, help him help himself and, and get back into society, right? None of those objectives necessarily require a a, a, a a squad or a um a role that has force or violence or something you know involved in it right well in that particular example but uh, what well, are you are you arguing that that potentially we, we don't need police we just need other types of services because i mean there's obviously types and situations that call for that. Absolutely. For, yeah. The um, There are going to be cases in which you um, need to have people with the ability to um, intervene to prevent harm to others, whether it's, you know, like a domestic abuse situation or, um, you know, anything uh, involving someone that already has weapons <laughs> out, that sort of thing. Yeah. But for a vast, you know, number of things like moving, pulling people over for speeding, right? Does that need to be someone who comes up to you with a, a gun holstered on their hip? Not really. No. You know, no. is that just actually causing stress and aggravation on people that do it, you know, made a mistake? Well, just to play um, devil's advocate here in, maybe not here, but in America where people can, can carry concealed weapon, they, I mean... That might be necessary. Yeah. Um, and you can pull someone over for speeding, but you, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know the situation. I, I, I think this is just the uh, the framing through which people are starting to talk about this right. defunding the, the police issue. is like, okay, for the amount of responsibilities that the police have and the, the number of times that actually 
the people that have been attracted to this role have their own, I don't know, uh, personal desires and stuff caught up in the role that is problematic. So you see, I mean, there are lots of cases of rape by the police, right? That will never get reported or, um, or, sorry, resolved um, because it's, it's the department itself that perpetrated the justice. You know, the the yeah. message that came out about George Floyd and about what happened there is completely devoid with the reality of the video. Um, I don't know if sure. you saw what the original press release that came out was, um, but it it was it was very much apportioning blame on the victim that was right. undeserving. Right. So I think yeah. the other argument is that this body of people has become so insular, so self-protective so backed by a union that refuses to see officers removed from uh, active duty when they've committed a crime that the the actual institution itself has been has become ill-suited to actually doing the tasks that we need from it as society Um, yeah it's 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 a it's it's not a good situation when people who are meant to be enforcing the law feel like they are above the law because they are by virtue of the fact that they are enforcing it. Yeah. Uh, and thereby just going, um, walking free on, on things that they, they themselves are doing. Um, uh, I heard this somewhere that I know we had the courts and everything, uh, but you, you kind of need like the police of the police, like a separate branch, mm-hmm. you need a, a body that's, specifically looking at how police are policing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the the reality is that the judiciary, you know, the prosecutorial system, if you have the state pressing cases against, you know, um, uh, attackers or, or that sort of thing, then the prosecution and the police are often working hand in hand to yeah. obtain evidence and then prosecute, you know, someone that did the crime. So there is there is an interaction between those departments already based on the needs of the job and, and the judicial system. So then when it comes to prosecuting someone in the department that you have been working with, you yeah. are potentially risking conflicts or uh, more lenient you know, sentences and this kind of thing because then the prosecutor has to get back to work with the partner of the guy that you just sent to jail for you know, putting a knee on someone's neck till they died. Yeah. Um, the interesting, uh, <clears throat> to loop back to the, the protests of it all, isn't it kind of fascinating and terrifying that the response to these protests against brutality then generated from so many police acts of brutality, right? Like the, 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 yeah. the craziness of them being <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to tear gas people with no reason. I'm going to push back someone so he trips and bashes his head. I'm going to drive yep. my car through this crowd of people just standing there. Isn't it? How are you guys not hyper aware of everything? Isn't what it you're insane, doing? right? What yeah. a reaction. You do this thing. No, I don't. Bam. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, the self awareness of the police is. Uh, and you know what? I, I, we should say, like, I do feel bad for the good police out there who uh you know real genuinely want to do a good job and and want to serve the community in in the best possible way and uh and they the police all over the world right now just 
have such a bad name and I feel bad for those guys. Yeah, but if they were good police, shouldn't they be calling out their... Absolutely. <laughs> the brothers yeah, and that's stuff the as thing. well? That's the thing. Um, but yeah, it's it was it's it's a, a bit of a fall from grace for the police. They're, they're you know, they're touted even from, you know, t- tell kids, you know, they have little toys of police and stuff. They're, they're meant to be the heroes and... Uh, and they're the villains. Well, more than that, I mean, they were they were the subject of idolatry across media for generations. You know, how many NCISs and Law and Orders and John McLeans and you know, yeah, cops have been the protagonists and the saviors for generations, right? It's it, mm. it's very rare that you saw the the crooked cops, you know, other yeah. than something like The Shield or or something like Bad that. Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. yeah. But I saw Cops the Show has just been cancelled. It was like one of the longest running shows ever and they've yeah. just cancelled it. Yeah. With how they pay, portray police. Yeah. All right. Potentially ignorant question. So can you explain explain to me? So the cop who's a white guy kneeling on George Floyd's neck for nine, eight, nine minutes or whatever. And he says, I can't breathe. The cop basically doesn't give a fuck. And kills him. Do you think the cop did that because he's racist? And how does the ra- how does the systemic racism amongst the law enforcement, especially in America, how has that specifically played a role in George George Floyd's death? I I think it's a reasonable question. It is impossible to know the internal thoughts of someone right but you can look at comparative actions and you can ask yourself the question okay so george floyd was suspected correct me if i'm wrong here he was suspected of having used a fraudulent 20 dollar bill that was the yeah, crime that's that, right yeah that they sought him for yeah. if if he was a white person going down the street would they have jumped on him and held him down at his neck it's a it's a lot harder yeah. to visualize that situation, right? So, what is the reason that they ended up playing out this way? Is it because, I mean, the, the idea of racism as well is there's levels of it because very often racism isn't explicitly the thought. I think brown or black people are lesser than me, and so I can treat them badly. That definitely does happen. But often sure. what the, the the criticism of this whole protest has been about has been the structural and institutional stuff, which is often more subconscious or um, unwitting than direct racism. So I think in this situation, you have a profiling kind of problem where it's like, okay, there's a, there's a black guy and the way that white officers feel when they see a black right. person is potentially one of intimidation even though that's right. you know that guy's just walking down the street, but that's a cultural or kind of they learned. Are more, they are more of a perceived black people are more of a perceived threat threat to white yeah, men with absolutely unfounded. But yes, yeah. th- that that's a cultural thing, right? There's an otherness to it, right? It, they don't look like me, right. so I don't see them as a human. I mean, look, I don't. I, I'm not trying to fucking break down what racism is overall, but in yeah. terms of the way that they're approaching that situation, that was an escalation beyond what the actual, 
actual crime deserved, right? It, if if right. he had actually done the thing, which was I used a fake twenty dollar bill and I stole, I don't know, a can of coke or whatever it was, um, that doesn't deserve physical abuse, right? For that arrest, if it no, was. But do we know? Uh, and again, maybe a bit ignorant here, but do we know that he retaliated or or he, you know? I think that video. I think it's on the video, right? You can you can watch it. I I admit that I I didn't watch past. <laughs> I didn't watch no, it all because I, I didn't. I just it. I didn't want to. I don't. I'm not the person that likes seeing that. No, no. I got another. This is a stupid question round. It's always a stupid question round with me. <laughs> um. So if we had an example then of a similar case with a white cop with a white guy. Uh huh who basically did the same thing, would that mean that uh, this act on George Floyd was not necessarily racism? I mean, I, uh, there have been white people killed by the police as well, absolutely. Um, I think you can't look at an individual one-on-one comparison. You need to look at it in aggregate. And we know that the data against the killing of black people by the police versus white people was so disproportionately higher. So Mm. the simple existence of one other instance, simple existence of one other instance in which a white person was killed by the police doesn't not make, doesn't make George Floyd's killing not racist. Um, Yes. No, that was actually a stupid question. Um, Once you, it's it's, it's all right. Um, Yeah. I just, I just have, or had a little bit of a tough time matching up the okay this guy this cop killed this black man because the cop is racist yeah like that that wasn't clear to me that link so the the but i do get that according to the description it's symbolic yeah sorry according to the description of of the incident the cops arrived briefly entered the uh, restaurant in which they employee said that Floyd had paid with a counterfeit bill. The police drew his gun and ordered um, Floyd to put his hand on the steering wheel of his car. Floyd complied. Lane holstered his weapon. Lane's the um, the cop. Uh, someone nearby then starts recording. Then there's a brief struggle, and uh, the cop pulls Floyd from the SUV and handcuffs him. And then he sat on the sidewalk next to the restaurant and was calm and said thank you floyd's floyd was calm and said thank you and then they tell him he's under arrest walk him to the police car floyd fell over the officers picked him up and put him against the car door floyd told the officers he was not resisting but he was claustrophobic and did not want to sit in the car and then uh another uh, police car rocks up they tried to force him into the car Floyd told him they couldn't breathe, and then they pull him out of the car. He's still handcuffed, and then they put the knee on the neck and he hold him there for nine, nine minutes until he dies. So mm. in all of those interactions, I don't think there's any suggestion that he was fighting them resisting, or yeah, that resisting or anything in a, in a way which was like, you know what, we need to really just pin him here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think this incident has um, 
even if we can't really pin down the cops' direct motives, um, it's certainly a accurate symbol of the system in America. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you say, how, how do you prove racism? Well, you prove it in aggregate, not necessarily in specifics, because for most part, no, <laughs> no one's going to say before they do the thing, "I'm doing this because you're black." So you, you have to do it through, yeah, implication and broader, well, broader. Um, if you're the if you're the KKK, <laughs> yeah. To, to summarize, I think it's going to be very interesting watching how this continues to develop because we have already seen results from some of these things. We saw the officers involved arrested. We're seeing, you know, a lot of um, pressure applied on police departments and councils and things to um, cut budgets. The LAPD had their budget cut. We saw one city, I think in Minneapolis, um, actually announce that they're going to just remove the police department altogether, start fresh, rehire people with a strong, you know, um, emphasis on getting good and competent cops and, and clearing the board from all <laughs> all those who've been implicated in lots of ongoing abuses of their power. So we are seeing results. It's going to be very interesting to see whether or not, um, say, the Democrats, if they sweep through some power in, in November, are then able to translate into the broader policy goals and, and changes that uh, people are protesting for. But I hope so. Hmm. Yeah, will be an interesting couple of weeks. Maybe we do a quick little recommendation engine because I got one relevant um, suggestion here. How's that? Sounds good to me. Got the keys? Welcome to Deep Thoughts Recommendation Engine. Cool. Okay, uh, one relevant one, which uh, came out last year, 2019, brilliant TV show, now feels very, um, uh, even more timely than it was then, was Watchmen, the uh, Damon Lindelof HBO nine-part series, um, one and done, somewhat based, but mostly a remix and a reimagining and an updating of the graphic novel, um, Watchmen in 2019 was a incredibly bold series examining the intersection of race and policing um, in America through a generational story that touched on the Tulsa riots and the Tulsa massacre back in the 1900s and then followed that train of thought through in, in sort of a um, an alternate timeline to, um, to ours. Um, in which reparations were paid out, and and the police had to start wearing masks because they were their identities couldn't be known for security reasons. It was a very fascinating exploration of of power and racial dynamics in America through the lens of this um, this graphic novel. And I highly recommend anyone who's looking for a very contained, dramatic, ballsy kind of series to go and check it out because it has some amazing performances, really 
beautifully shot and a soundtrack by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which fucking kicks balls. Mm. It is. I might, I might take you up on this recommendation. It's juicy. Uh, do you reckon I'd like it? Is it superhero-y? It, it, it is superhero-y, but not, not in a Marvel Superman kind mm. of cakes okay. and cows are the coolest, you know, we're going to say our witty one-liners. It's more like, ask. it asks the question like, why do you wear a mask? What are you trying to achieve? And it's like violent and it's really, it's strongly laced with the kind of historical racial exploration of cops and things. I, I think you've got a chance of liking it. Um, All right. Well, yeah, I've been listening to the score when you sent it to me and the score's wicked. The score so is so I'll, fucking uh, good. Yeah. I'll give it a Jeremy download. Jeremy Irons, Regina King, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mazin. Um, yeah, just an amazing cast. Cool. I've got one. I watched a great, great movie the other day called um, Vast... The Wait, I, gotta, I should probably get the title correct. <laughs> I'm going to recommend it. The Vast of Night. The Vast um, of so Night. Yeah. Um, so it's this... Uh, it looks like a little indie movie. I, I wasn't really sure. I just got recommended it um, by cousin Dan. Um, but it's a, a really, a, like a really different kind of movie. It's uh, I've I got a little bit of a, a bit of a thing for UFOs, and it's not like very UFO-y. Mm-hmm. There's like a, there's like three movies that are about UFOs mm. that aren't like tacky. And one of them is Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, Signs, I thought was actually really good as well, M. Night Shyamalan. And this one, really subtle, there's no like aliens and shit, I shouldn't give it too much away, but uh, yeah, check it out, really great dialogue, really interesting movie, great score. Uh, Um, 2020 release? Like it's new? Yeah, it's new. Um, So I think that's actually on Amazon Prime now, it's an Amazon Prime movie. Awesome. So yeah, check it out. Really good movie. Cool. Well, if you've uh, been needing a bit of a break from the world, then there are plenty of uh, podcasts in our archive that you can duck back into and get a taste of lighter times before it was 2020. Um, so you can head to deepfort.podbean.com for the full list or just scroll down in your podcast player. Um, if you're there, you might as well give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It would help. Otherwise, you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash deepfort or jump onto Instagram and look us up. There's uh, more recommendation engine things there and tastes of future merchandise. Um, but there will never be an example of Michael doing a workout because it is beyond his means as a human oh, being to commit to one simple promise. Because um, I've just stopped working out. Twitter.com slash Facebook. Twitter.com slash Facebook. And uh, just get the latest there. And send your questions and thoughts to deepfort at gmail.com, including your suggested recommendation engines, if you've got any good ideas for us. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself, Nick. You couldn't have. That's why I do it. That's why you do it. I was thinking about that the other day as well, that <laughs> that I just don't, I'm just not the guy that does the, uh, the talking. Fuck it hell. Can't make this stuff up. Um, how do you want to wrap up? A, I've done a lot of talking, I, so I'm just going to let you talk and tell a story or a joke or a, um, if you've got a weird news or something, I'm, I'm, I'm in your hands now. I got a I got a silly story and a weird news. Love it. But um, 
is the if the silly story is a little tone deaf given the conversation <laughs> or is it fine is it silly to do a is it silly to do a silly story is that what you're asking or is a silly story about this funny thing you saw happen to a black guy no no it's not just <laughs> no <are you> fucking serious <laughs> uh, um actually maybe i'll tell the story maybe it's a bit light all right so um it's a short one too so you don't have to strap in so um straps off caught everyone. An the other, caught, caught an uber the other day going to my brother's house about a 15 minute ride Ooh, that's that not a relevant me. detail um and the uber driver you know sometimes they arrive before you're ready and they text you saying i'm arrived so i go out i'm in the i'm in the cab going to ben's house and the car smelled like pop-offs smelled like farts <laughs> thanks for translating so you know when you're you're in the you're in smells the, like farts yeah you're in a cab fighting. or you're on the bus. You know how you text. You know how this is going to be my stand-up. <laughs> you guys text on the bus. Um, so I'm texting Ben. This car smells like pop-offs. I press send immediately. I didn't even think about it. Hear the ding in the car. I sent it to the driver. I told the driver this car smells like pop-offs. This Uber smells like pop-offs. What? Tell like, me, how far even, were you? How far were you from the destination at this point? I was halfway in. Thank God he didn't pick up his phone. Uh, so like fifteen minutes. What are we talking? Ten minutes, but he didn't see it. He would have seen it after. I bolted out uh-huh. of that Uber, but I didn't even <laughs> say like there was no like context to like me sending it to Ben. I didn't say hey, hey Ben. Get a load of this Uber. It smells like pop-offs. <laughs> I just said this. So it's just like I just told him this. It's just like I just told this Uber driver. I was like, hey, man, just to, so you know, this car really smells like pop-offs. But I don't, I, pop-offs? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to tell you. pop-offs. I don't want to tell you with my mouth. I want to tell you with words. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> did you tip him? Um, no. It really did smell bad. Well, that's entertaining. How did Ben feel when he found out he'd missed out on the text? Oh, I, I texted Ben. Oh, you still I you followed up. Yeah, yeah. okay. I good. double texted. Yeah. I'm not going to let Ben go without knowing that. Do you want a fun fact? Oh, yeah. A little fun fact. It's a fun fact. Imagine if I just said no. That's, I mean, that's, that, that would be comedically fun. Yeah. Do you want a, <laughs> Do you want a chance to say no? No, I want to hear it. I love a fact. Um, my boyfriend was looking through my phone and decided that Ben is more attractive Why? than you. <laughs> so. Sorry, why? Okay, was he looking through a phone? And also, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you missed the lead there. Um, <laughs> that's not nice. Why would the fuck would you tell me that? Well, because and I thought also, it would be entertaining. Was your boyfriend like on drugs? No, I think he, um, yeah, just looked at your presentation in my photo album and decided, yep, yeah, Ben's Ben's got it going on. That's much better. You let yourself go a little bit. He's got a sort of debonair look. What the fuck I is I think this? it's got sort of casual, you know, confidence, I guess, or... Well, does he know that Ben's got eczema? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll have to let him know. So You can, you can do he, that. Casey listened to this. He has done, yeah. Okay. You can um, you can fix eczema yeah, with a cream, you, though. Man. There's not fuck really you, Casey. much you can do. If you're listening. You. So 
I'm not even listening to Nick at this point. I'm it's just talking fine. directly to your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you just lost any chance you had with me, mister. <laughs> you know, it has been a fear of mine that Ben is more attractive than me. Because I, I think that. on the whole, I think generally speaking, Ben is considered more attractive. I think he's a better, he's considered, he's more conventionally better looking than me, maybe. Yeah, even but unconventionally. Not, not, but I'm I'm unconventionally, you know, you know, I don't know. Maybe he is. You're an unconventional seven. We'll take it. But the scale's different. Like, what is what's the scale? Because it's unconventional, it goes up to like a thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. 